Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to Company Film Nerds episode 479. It's an exciting episode. It Brian. really it is, is to have those it's, three numbers together. And I will say this. It's been hard to make them exciting episodes because it is a dead zone in the theaters right now. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know what happened, but, you know, the summer does go through August. You could save a few summer movies for the end. And uh, you know what we got? Olympus is falling for three weeks in a row. That's what Angel we got. Is falling, Angel yeah. is falling. Well, yeah. <laughs> first of all, we're halfway to um, 9.58. So yes. I'm excited about that. <laughs> uh, and um, I, the movie, I so we'll get into it. But I think... Yes. I, I want... The summer actually has had some nice independent films. Like they... I, I think... I think because of what happened, and, and again, I call this the Black Panther effect, because mm. they released Black Panther last year in February, right. and it ran for 10 weeks or whatever, mm. and Hollywood has started to realize we don't need to dump all of our mar- superhero movies in one you right. know, nine-week span, that then we're actually getting some decent, some better uh, indie movies that it's released throughout the summer that might not have been. Yeah, I feel like they're still backloading them, though, for mm-hmm. Oscars. Like, yeah, they you know, say, yeah they, of, course, they, of course. They could definitely, like, spread them out the way they're doing the big budget ones. Like, I would have liked to have seen a couple more cool indies. Right. Uh, but a lot of them, too, are going to streaming now. Yeah, Like, you know, yep. like Paddleton, uh, I thought was an amazing film with uh, Ray Romano, mm-hmm. just a character piece. That never made it to theaters. That was straight to Netflix. And then I was <laughs> looking at the creator on Twitter. It's like, well, they didn't, didn't really promote it, so I hope you guys see it. <laughs> Of course. But it's it's an amazing independent film. Uh, but again, it would have been perfect as counter-programming to see something uh, else. It's, this feels like it's not mm-hmm. as big of a dead zone late August as it's been in years past. Yeah. I, that's my mm-hmm. that's my takeaway from yeah, it. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's like, why can you only figure out one month and can't get the other ones right? Like, we just, <laughs> you just finally figured out February and March where you could release a good movie. And now, like, what? It's like, oh, well, that's, that's all we can do for five years. We can just figure out one, one month every couple of years, and then maybe, maybe we'll get to the end of August at some point. So let's, let's introduce our guest. Let's do it. Dare I say, long time, well, long time friend for sure, but mm-hmm. first time guest. I think. Hello. That's the miserable liberal, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. Steph Zamorano. I am ecstatic to be here, <laughs> fellas. <laughs> Listening you just jabber on about <laughs> the nuances of the super screen. And I'm like, when should I jump in? You know, this is very exciting. You seem very knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. We haven't seen each other in a while. Actually, I saw you on uh, the um, FNX show. But then we worked together many years ago on the teacher's lounge. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. That was funny. That was fun. Yes, and look at us all together now. Yeah. Isn't it nice? Talking about movies. It's fantastic. It's nice to talk to movies with you specifically, because usually you and I are only talking politics. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, Which I love doing. But. I was super excited about coming and doing the show today because, uh, you know, all through, I, I was reading Twitter last night and there was a whole new uh, study that was released. I don't know if you caught it. The USC study that the Annenberg did about the lack of representation of Hispanics in film. And they've been doing this study. And uh, it's like, it's an embarrassment. It's like almost negative percent of what you see Latinos represented on uh, in film. And so it's nice to be a Mexican talking about film. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a long way to go. Long way to go. So we've got some. And uh, film in Spanish is película. Oh, yeah, it yes. Is. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yes, yeah, it I is. Swear, I remember reading that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Peliquila. In yeah. my uh, mm-hmm. white TV guide. Mm-hmm. So. Comedia <laughs> Peliquia <laughs> Nerds. I yes. Guess. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's I don't good. Know how to say that's it. good. Yeah. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, we've got. Um, like I said, we're kind of in that um, dead zone, but so we actually have to scrounge around to find find some movies to actually watch. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm I only said that half facetiously. It's like that you know, Angel Has Fallen is literally the only release for like two to three weeks. Yeah, and it's on forty eight yeah. out yeah. of fifty screens. And I love it. So it's like, oh, number one movie for the weekend. Yes, because nothing else was released. <laughs> like... Yeah, that's that's actually pretty good marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, technically it's true. 
So uh, I applaud uh, everyone on this uh, dais. <laughs> yes. For, <laughs> for not seeing Angel has fallen. <laughs> so. I didn't even catch the trailer. Yeah. Good for you. Nice. Good for you. <laughs> I was like, do I go to ArcLight at nine thirty last night to watch it? Well, wait a minute. Have you I seen any? Out. Have you seen any action movie with Morgan Freeman in it? Then you've seen it. Uh-oh. So, yeah, so, so you're yeah, good. Yeah. All right. You, you saw, I saw the one where it was that group of magicians. I think he's in it. <laughs> yes. Close yes. enough. What's yes. Just <laughs> so you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he's in yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. You saw that movie with the group of magicians. Uh, Fantastic. God. So Thanks. I went streaming this weekend because I couldn't bring myself to see. Uh, and, and the other thing, too, about like this, you know, counter programming, it's like, okay, you've got Angel Has Fallen, but. There were also no kids' movies. Like, there, at least there would be a movie that, like, my kids may right, wanted to see. Right. Nope, nothing. There's, like, nothing released because everyone's backloading. Like, oh, you've got Frozen and all the other big uh-huh. animated releases are later. It's like, oh, you already got Lion King. That's it. Now, you're done. You know, you're done. You're done until the fall. So uh, I saw Vigilante, and this was, a, excuse me, a Vigilante uh, on um, a streaming service. This is the Olivia Wilde. Um, movie, you know how we were talking about everybody gets a taken. This is Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde, this is her yeah, taken. Yes. Oh, she. Um, no, soccer this, mom pissed off, or this is a mom, a domestic abuse survivor ah. that then goes after other domestic abusers to even the score. Oh, it's like uh, Death Wish. Yes, yes, with, but with um, a lady. And the description, yeah, girly was, Death uh, Wish. Yes, and the description even on the lady uh, Death Wish. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's really what these movies want to be like. Was that peppermint? That other peppermint. You saw? Yeah, I yeah. loved peppermint. So I thought, okay, well, this is going to be like one of those movies because even the description on Amazon said it's like action-packed thriller, you know, revenge story with like Olivia Wilde going after, and um, it was not. <laughs> there was very little action in this movie, and uh, it was very low budget. No boobs. So no boobs. That's and what I'm also, action. this movie. <laughs> Didn't didn't know what it wanted to be. Like this movie, like first it had like some really heavy domestic violence stuff in it, like there's support groups, and then she's like punching a guy in the throat. Like so it goes one way here, then one way or the other, and it couldn't figure out what tone or anything it wanted to be, and it was so ridiculous because it This is not a comedy? It is not a comedy. Well, <laughs> unintentionally. There were definitely some funny she's parts. She's in a support group yeah. about abuse. Next thing, yeah. she's like, got a guy in a chokehold yeah, slamming much. him against a refrigerator. Yeah. I love it already. Yeah. Yeah. How did I miss this one? Yeah, and uh, so, like, I'm actually making it sound more coherent than it is. <laughs> uh, uh, um, but it had, there were some very laughable moments in the movie. Like, uh, here's a great example. Like, whenever you have an action movie, especially when it's somebody taking matters into their own hands, you have to show at some point how they get to be a badass. Batman trained with Raj al Ghul. He went away for many, many years and then came back to save Gotham. Um, Even in Peppermint. Yeah. I'll uh-huh. interject in Peppermint. They yeah. just, they didn't show, they didn't show yeah. a training sequence. They mm-hmm. just alluded. Mm-hmm. She was off the grid for five years. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's all I need to know. She found some mercenaries in yep. a Kung She was Fu using school. a stick. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The, she I, went, I think, she found a good stick. I think this was one of my Peppermint favorite part of the out. movie. Um, though it was one Kane. scene. One scene, how they described how she became a badass. She hugged a book on Krav Maga. <laughs> that was it. Uh, that, that was, was just... it. Yeah, she sees this so book on Krav Maga and just hugs it. And then that's okay. So I guess that's all we need. You know, because clearly martial arts, you don't need to train or go to a, a dojo or a temple to learn anything. Um, all you really need is a book. So, uh, yeah. No, Ronda Rousey, she just yeah. hugged a bunch of books. That's how she was champ for so long. She was the best book-hugging yeah. Yeah. cage fighter. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. So, and then the movie shifts again. The, you know, she catches up with her abusive husband. Oh, yeah. And then, and uh, then, I know where this is going. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> he has no balls, right? <laughs> and then as it go, and then all of this set up to like her being a badass and yeah. all this stuff and then like she's just captured instantly <laughs> by, by the ex-husband so like wait what ha- what happened to all this book training that you had learned on the way so it just went off the rails in all these laughable directions and it was one of those movies that just couldn't figure out what it wanted to be and it just couldn't pull it off now it's not olivia wilde's fault she acts her heart out in this movie. I she's bet just she does. she's just not given anything to do or deal with. Because when I can... is she going to get the right vehicle? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this wasn't it. Well, this is the thing. Why it's so disappointing? Because 
this is not a hard formula to figure no, out. No, it isn't. Pushed beyond, I'm, they pushed you too far. Yeah. You went revenge. I mean, like, there's a real standard template. When that you so- happens to me in a supermarket line. Yeah. You push me too far. Yeah. <laughs> that line is too long. And I'll start saying, when are you going to open up another check stand? <laughs> mm-hmm. How about you? You ever lose yeah. it like that in the, yeah. in the middle yes. of the grocery yeah. store? Exactly. Yeah. That's it's all just, it takes. All you hear in your head is tick, 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 and then that's it. <laughs> all you got to do, show show that she was abused, the support group. In the yeah. support group, maybe she finds like, you know, some woman pulls her aside and says, look, we have this extra group at night. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're yeah. like the vigilantes. We're going to go settle mm-hmm. some scores. Like, awesome. Secret society. Count yeah. me in. I'm in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and you you see her go to a, and they train and whatever, mm-hmm. and then it's just like go get it's revenge yeah. porn. It's not yeah. a hard model. So, so what it was was about three different movies uh, together, and it, it took one third of each of those scenes from each of those movies and put them together. Oh man! It was one third exactly what you just said, like one third peppermint. It was one third hard drama, someone dealing with abuse and the mental illness that it's caused because she's showing her have panic attacks sure. in the car. And then the other third is um, Sleeping with the Enemy, the Julia Roberts movie. And so it's like one third of each of those, but that doesn't make a movie. That just makes um, disjointed chapters. (laughs) Well, that's like, like Peppermint knew exactly what it was. Peppermint just went, okay. It's a, it's, you know, it's, she's good. She gets a death with taken, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Awful crimes happen to her family. Mm -hmm. She goes away, loses her shit, comes back, revenge. No, I don't care. And just starts wiping people out and protecting the neighborhood. It was like, yeah. got it, done. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, like, do one or the other. Right. Hit the template and we right. can have fun. Or do something so interesting and different and new that you can turn the genre on its ear. Don't pick that middle ground that right. does nothing because then all of a sudden you have neither. Yeah, or like <laughs> really address domestic abuse. Show right. show how it affects and how people have reacted to it. Go into all the nuances of that. Like you say, if she's got PTSD, obviously, yeah. how mm-hmm. she de- deals with that, like show all of that. Mm-hmm. Show or yeah, you can't go. You gotta yeah. You gotta pick one. That's how they uh, showed it. So instead of reading the book, she hugged it. All so. Right. <laughs> so I recommend right. taking a class. Yes, rather than taking a class book. and watching Peppermint. So. <laughs> So uh, well, let's let's talk about knock down the house. Yeah, let's have our guests go next because we talked oh, about this. Thank you. When it, yes. <laughs> we talked about it a couple mm-hmm. uh, when it first came out. Yes. Um, but I love. I want to hear your take on it, obviously, because you. For those of you who don't know, uh, Steph is a regular panelist on the Jimmy Dore Show, a show I'm on a lot. Um, you've also been on Political Vigilante, so you're very up to speed on what's going on politically. You know. Uh, some of the people in that movie, I would imagine. Um, what was your take on it? I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough action sequences. Yeah. Uh, I want a little revenge and somebody yeah. to get their ass kicked. <laughs> Literally, I wanted to see AOC go and like kick some doors down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, you wanted to see her literally knock down a house. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Not just hug it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, for people that don't know it, you know, it's, it's, it's taking you through the uh, process of four women that are running for office, or several women that are running for office, rather. Polly Jean Swergen, mm-hmm. Amy Valella, um, Corey Bush, AOC. I don't know if I forgot anybody no, else I think it that. is those four, yeah. And, um, you know, of course... Uh, I don't know, understand, you know, like I bet all three of us here, who gets involved in politics? Who would get right. involved to run for an office? I mean, I don't know if Chris ever ran for office in high school. How'd it work out for you? Did you run? Um, I was impeached. Oh. So. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. I, I like it. So you've got yeah. some, some There was dirt. a big uh, tater tot incident that I don't like to talk about. Tater gate? Uh, yeah, yeah, tater gate. Mm-hmm. And, uh. <laughs> yeah, I just don't understand who would run for office. I mean, I know... Um, I wouldn't ever consider running for school board. I wouldn't ever consider running for uh, city council. Uh, Of course, I would look at different, you know, I've interacted with school boards because I was a teacher for many years and I interacted with city council, you know, in uh, the city of Pasadena. But would you ever wanted those positions? Oh, God. It's so brutal. You watch this. And, and, you know, I I met... Amy Valela, she came to, when Ron Placone and I a year ago did a progressive comedy tour in Vegas, yes. she came to the show and campaign, which is awesome, came again to one of our shows in um, San Antonio this past April. So uh, it was amazing, like, meeting her a little bit, 
And then seeing what the behind the scenes were, and then also talking to Shannon Thomas, who was her like, um, she, Shannon is featured in the in the film. I, I don't know that she's a campaign manager, but she's like in right a part of it, a part, part of the campaign. I don't remember her position. Yeah, but I, I remember talking to Shannon um, because I interviewed her for for Political Vigilante, and we did a convo couch together, and she was just like, man. She had a similar like. Oh, I just don't know if I could work in politics again because it's just so it's just so ugly. Amy's story is heart wrenching. Yeah, and uh, just to remind you, Amy's daughter um, became sick and uh, was in between insurance. It was very complicated, and when she went to get, seek service at at a hospital, they turned her away. And just in short, her daughter died. Because she didn't have insurance. She didn't have insurance. Right. They couldn't cover it financially, and her daughter made died. Her run. And mm-hmm. so you have a real situation, real tragedy, and she didn't want her daughter's life, um, her memory of her daughter, to just go away. And so she has pursued a career in politics because she feels that there are 30,000 people, 40,000, 50,000 people every year. We don't really know how many yeah. people are are being completely abandoned by our culture and society with not having access. And so she had a real loss and that steered her into politics and it's a heartbreaking story. And Amy is, you know, how, how, they execute the story throughout. You know, you get a little biographical information about mm-hmm. each of the candidates and what they're up against. You know, you have um, Paula Jean. She's dealing with the coal industry, yeah. and her mother doesn't want her really participating in this because she says, you know, if the coal company sees you a problem, you're going to be missing. She, and the mother yeah, says, the mom, I've seen this before. Yeah, the people go get missing up in the hills. Yes. The mom and... Go get missing. They go get missing up in the hills, and you're just like, this is... You know, so they, the thing I like, all four women had these real personal, re, you know, Paula Jean was like, what's happening? The coal industry is doing our water and all that stuff's contaminated. It's really, it's real powerful. It um, is. And to think that there are communities and they're usually poor communities that are suffering because we don't have the proper infrastructure. And if you think it's just Flint, that yeah. they have bad water. It's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Our infrastructure needs to be rebuilt. And then you have these people that are really, like I can sit here and talk about things, you know, um, and I, I'm fortunate enough to be a contributor on the Jimmy Dore show. And we hope with the way that we're interacting with the universe that we're educating. And it doesn't mean you need to be in lockstep and think we're okay and everything we say is right. But it's like, this is where we're trying to uh, communicate on behalf of other people, you know, like trying to educate mm-hmm. and also expose people to somebody like uh, Amy Valella. Amy Valella, she was interviewed. She did do the Jimmy Dore show. And so when I see this woman who comes from such pain and took her pain and shaped it into uh, a goal and a mission to make her community better by giving access to healthcare, what an inspiration. Oh yeah, because that kind of that level of pain. Look, I mean, I, she could have just gone into drugs and alcohol, or self destructive behavior, or just numbed it out, or just nope, I'm sorry, you know, just whatever. That she used this painful thing, probably one of the more painful things a person could ever go through, as this motivating factor to I'm going to make a difference. I want Medicare for all. I want healthcare for everybody in the richest country in the history of the world. You know, it's it's powerful to watch. I mean, AOC's story, she's waiting tables, you know, mm-hmm. like she comes from working class uh, family and all this stuff. It's like, it's powerful to watch. I well, thought it was also powerful, sorry, Chris, okay. that you saw um, AOC working a grind type of job, yeah. that she's lifting ice, she's, yeah. you know, she's serving drinks. Physical she's in, labor. Yeah, she's doing the service industry, which, my God, I was I was a food server, you know, another lifetime ago, and I got to the point where it's hard to say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry yeah. you didn't get that. Oh, I'm sorry. I was like, oh, it's a hard industry. Yeah. No denying it. It's, Anything it's dealing demanding. with people is a hard industry yes. for sure. Yes. Uh, like I remember when we were talking about when we first talked about this movie, one of the things that we found really interesting was from a filmmaking perspective, it was a ballsy move to make this documentary because they didn't know how it was going to end or come out. If nobody would have gotten elected out of those four women, you wouldn't have had a documentary. No one would have released this movie. And uh, the fact that you had one uh, of the women got elected, then all of a sudden it's a um, it's an underdog story. It's all these things that then all of a sudden makes it marketable as a film. 
So I give the filmmakers a lot of credit because they had no idea what was going to happen. Yes, and there's and a lot of time and resources to put into a project that you don't know what's gonna, how it's going to end. And no telling how many other candidates they covered in yeah, the film. That's that true they too. narrowed yeah. it down, you mm-hmm. know. And certainly that we know that Joe Crawley was the third top Democrat he was next in line, everybody. Yeah. He was next in line, and he got his position through the back door of the previous representative in that in that area. And so the guy doesn't even live in the area that he represents. Mm-hmm. And so happens she, all the time. Yes. Yeah. And it, and how can that person actually represent the people that they're supposed to be representing? And so I just thought you're right. It is like. Um, you had to have a champion. There had to be a champion. It happens to be AOC. And the deal is with these group of women was they weren't taking big money. Mm-hmm. And they were all running against incumbent Democrats. This isn't yes. a primary. They weren't running mm. against That's Republicans. That's right. That's mm. a great point. They were all against it, r- running against incumbent. Corporates. Corporate yeah. Dems. I mean, there's there's um, uh, the woman that we met. Uh, that you guys actually introduced me to that was running against Diane Feinstein. I'm blanking on her name. Allison Hartson. Allison Hartson. You know, that could've they could have done her story. Maybe they did and it didn't make the, the the final edit. I don't know. But there were so many interesting, you know, I remember talking to Allison um and she was, you know, was a she was a teacher and an educator and she was like, I don't like what Diane Feinstein's doing and that was a that was a that would have been an interesting story to follow because I think what happened in eighteen was and this is what the story kind of focuses on, all of us. I mean, I was motivated to start political vigilante after the 16 election. Uh, it was Jimmy who said, you should do this. And I felt like I got to do something. And I think that's what this movie was. All these people like, I got to do something, you know, and and they're all running against corporate entrenched Democrats you know, like uh, Joe Manchin in West Virginia. Yes, oh, my exactly. God. He is a Democrat in name only. And there's a scene in it where Paula Jean is conceding, right? She loses and and she has to say, yeah, I hope to work together to make this better. Like it was really so painful to see the power structure continue yep. and somebody of integrity and grit challenging the power structure and not necessarily succeeding. On the other hand, you have to begin somewhere. And uh, these these leaders, these, you know, happen to be women that are pushing the envelope and challenging the power structure. And that's really inspiring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can feel so helpless many times. But when you see a documentary like this, you're like, okay, uh, progress can be made. It might be incremental, but progress can be made. And the thing I liked about it, too. Um, Maybe it'll inspire some more people to run. Well, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And get in, get involved for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of was the message. I mean, spoiler alert, AOC wins. Yeah. <laughs> um, was like, hey, I'm getting in for all of us. You know, like mm-hmm. I got in for all of us, and yep. it's it's really it's a it's a really power. If, if we've talked about it several times on the show, if you haven't seen it, it's a really powerful movie. It's also just in terms of the structural storytelling of a documentary. We talk a lot about documentaries on the show, obviously, because we've made them. Um, you have all this footage, and how you tell this story. The editing room really is where what's what separates a documentary filmmaker from a regular filmmaker, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, editing is crucial in any form of film storytelling, but like the way they unfolded these four campaigns and these four women's stories and everything uh, was just great storytelling because that it followed it, a narrative structure for sure. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. fine. And again, if I'm intrigued about is AOC going to win, I know she won and I'm that's good storytelling. You know what I mean? It's like watching a sports documentary. I know they won that year. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know their whole story you know right. going into it. Like I didn't know that I think it's also important that they examined how these candidates have had losses in mm-hmm. their life that humanizes them. We all have had losses. You know, we all have that experience. Um, and some people either uh, are able from that experience become a better person, a more well-rounded person, or you go another direction. Maybe you're not able to synthesize loss and makes you a better person. You know, who's to say that that's possible all the time? But when AOC was sharing her loss after Amy Villela, you know, discloses her loss and then in these, uh, their separate stories being viewed it just humanized these people. I didn't see them as candidates as much as I saw them as a, a regular person seeing that they needed to make a difference. 
and they were pursuing it. I mean, running running a campaign sounds like a monster of a right. task just to get the money, just to go forward. That all that logistical economics of running a campaign. If you don't have big donors, you got to fight for every penny, Ooh, and you got to and you got to watch every penny spent. Yes. Too. Like, well, all right, well, what what paper stock are we using? <laughs> like, everything has to be looked uh, you at. Kinda, you kind of see that, especially with the AOC campaign, which was I thought was cool, of like her strategy meetings, showing the the uh, Crowley yes, and what his mailer mailer looks like. It doesn't have any conversation yes. about policy, but it has here's a big picture and doesn't even say the primary date. Yes, which was so. She's like, it, he, there's no policy. Just we got to beat yeah. Trump. Mm-hmm. And I think also yeah. the advantage of other candidates that are younger than the corporate candidates is they're more likely to utilize and capitalize on social media. And I think that scares the power structure, yes. certainly. And they understand Photoshop better. <laughs> <laughs> well, AOC is so skilled on Twitter. And they can't handle it. They're they're really she's lethal. She's lethal. And and like the Democrat establishment is like, whoa, you know, she's taken on Pelosi. And like when when they just signed, you know, when Pelosi and those three hundred other Democrats signed on to they uh, signed over uh, Trump's border wall, and AOC was like, what's the point of having a majority in Congress if we're going to do this, you know? And it's just like she's. So knows what she's doing, and 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 you know, Pelosi's like ah, 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 on her heels, can't can't figure it out, um, which is which is it's is exciting to watch. So, yeah. So you know, I did enjoy the documentary. It was a good view, and um, but I'm I'm also interested in peppermint now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good. View. I didn't catch it. Well, pepper's good. It's just good. It's good. Knows right. what it is. It knows what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just Jennifer Garner pushed too far. <laughs> they messed with the wrong woman. You I know, th- I think she's darling. Yes, great. I want her to go kick ass. So now um, you saw, Graham, you saw Blinded by the Light. This is the Bruce Springsteen movie. Now, I didn't realize that this was uh, based on a guy's life. Yeah, it is based on a guy's life. So it is really... Um, is there a time period? I-, I thought it was a recent uh, time period. No, it takes place in the late 80s. This is oh, the it thing is I, late 80s. Okay. I, I absolutely love about this movie for for so many levels. First of all, on a general note, I don't think you have to be a Bruce Springsteen fan to appreciate the movie because the overall theme is if some music artist, song, album, you know, resonates with you, especially if you're in a time where you're struggling in your life or whatever, you understand how powerful. We all have that that song, that band, that album that just like, man, when that came out, I was in this place and it spoke to me. So it really, in general, it's that. Obviously, if you like Bruce Springsteen, you're gonna love this movie. Um, it's like if you like the Beatles, you like yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. And this is the thing I was talking about at the top of the show. So we've had Yesterday, we've had The Farewell, and Blinded by the Light is another indie movie that I think is so worth watching. I saw it in the theater. It's not like wide release but if it is in your town go see it give it your money it's mm. it's worth when we talk about voting with your dollars let these independent movies and the studios and everybody know that they're worth and this could be another great um candidate for a simultaneous release like i would watch this on demand yes of course mm-hmm. um there's a there's a couple little this is me being super nitpicky mm-hmm. there's a little just sort of cliche beats of the, the working class dad wants the kid to go down this path and the kid doesn't want to. Right. Mm-hmm. We've seen that a million mm-hmm. times. Now, this is very specific about the, he's Pakistani. It's Pakistani culture, which, so some of that I'm sure is like, it's a, it's a cliche for a reason because most Pakistani families are structured this way where the dad's like, you're doing this. We're arranging your marriages. <laughs> you know, this is what's going to happen. Um so it takes place in 1987 in England. Very in a good small, year, very good year. Very good year. <laughs> um, and he's a nerdy kid. Um, but it, the, the filmmaker, obviously this is based on a true story, uh, a journalist, uh, Sarfetz Manzor, and his uh, love of the works of Bruce Springsteen. Um, it's, it's based on uh, Manzor's memoir, Greetings from, from uh, uh, Asbury Park, Race, Religion, and Rock and Roll. So... What it does is uh, it, it does a lot of good things. It shows where England is at the time. So Margaret Thatcher is in her like third term, mm. very conservative. Uh, 
you know, she's eviscerating unions, people are losing jobs. What is happening as a result of that is there's a neo-fascist movement that was going on. There's skinheads happening in the 80s in England, and they're like spray painting packies go home. So this kid- Didn't we see that a little bit in uh, the Freddie Mercury movie? Yeah, yeah yes, mm-hmm. we did see that a little mm-hmm. bit. So that was, a, that was a real thing that was happening, and they, and they do a good job. The filmmaker does a great job it's a filmmaker that did Bend It Like Beckham, mm-hmm. um, of showing actual archival footage with this kid in this small town that's a good three, four hours outside of London. And um, and and he's a nerdy kid, you know, he's he doesn't he's never kissed a girl, his dad is, you know, crawling up his ass all the time, and he's getting this racist shit. Um and he finds Bruce Springsteen, a Sikh kid. This is a true story. He becomes his buddy. Like they bumps into him and these Bruce Springsteen tapes fall out of his pocket. And he's like, you need to listen to these. And he's like, and everyone, it's funny too, because it, they give such great cultural context. I was like, Springsteen, that's what your dad listens to. Like he was <laughs> the seventies and, and born in the USA. That's a, you know, Ron Reagan song, which, you know, Born in the USA actually is a is a song for Vietnam vets. Right. It got co-opted by the Republican Party and they would mm-hmm. use it at their fundraisers or whatever. Um, without listening to it. Without listening to it <laughs> at all. Like, like <laughs> write out the lyrics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so then he starts discovering these songs and the lyrics and, you know, it's a, he's like, holy shit, Bruce Springsteen is working class. You know, and the lyrics spoke to him and holy shit, he starts, it, it really... And you see how the music, like when he, when the music really hits him, like all the shit he's had to deal with, skinhead spitting on him, you know, dad, this, you know, nerdy around, all of it, taking shit at school, all of it, the, the lyrics really speak to him and it sort of starts to transform his life. Um, it's a beautiful movie. Um, there's a, He's got a, a, a buddy that's a great character. There's, the, the, there's a next door neighbor guy who there's a cool reveal about him. Um, for me personally, you know, um, Born to Run, <laughs> that's the first song that like I fell in love to, meaning I didn't fall in love with the song, but my first ever like wild fell in love romance was in high school. And that was like our, that was like this, our song or mm-hmm. whatever. And the lyrics in it, you know, uh, you know, I want an everlasting kiss, you know, uh, all that stuff about my son. I, I was, I was like, what was yours, Steph? My first boyfriend loved him. Really? Loved Springsteen. And so my memory of his romance with Springsteen was I got every Rolling Stone cover that Springsteen was on. And I made this huge poster for him with all the covers, any magazine cover that he was ever on. I made a huge one and framed it. And I was like, you know, because Springsteen really spoke to, he didn't speak to me that much as as a young woman, but my boyfriend was like in it. Mm -hmm. Just, it was, and only, you know, years later did I really start understanding the messages of Bruce's music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, young kid, you know, 14, 15, 16, I'm listening to other music. It didn't resonate with me so much. Only when I got older, do we, you bringing some lyrics up, buddy? What do you got here? Yeah, so it's just like- Sing them to me. This song, <laughs> this song. So the, the, the first girl I like crazy fell in love with, her name was Lynn Hickey. And it was a wild sort of tumultuous. That's the way it's supposed to be. Right? She was sort of seeing someone else. Nice. It was, oh, it was, was it a death trap, a suicide rap? Well, we had to get out while we were young, yeah. Chris. Um, <laughs> but like all this stuff, I, I, let me in, I want to be your friend, I want to guard your dreams and visions. I mean, that stuff, these lyrics were guard just like- Guard your dreams and visions. That's a great line. It was, it was so, um, I'm a scared and lonely writer, but I got to know how it feels. I want to know if love is wild. I want to know if love is real. Can you show me? That was just like, wow. I'm six, 17. I'm tapping into like serious love for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy and out of control. And I was like, what? And, and this, this song was like, and I was not some huge Bruce Springsteen fan. 
And I like the song spoke to the song just Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, spoke to me. And so when I'm watching this kid go through this in 1987, I graduated from high school in 1987. So I was like, it really for me on a personal level was like, oh, my God. And I was crying. I mean, like it was just like it was so it was so beautiful and warm and nice. And the handful of sort of cliche slow clap moments at the end mm. ah fine I'll for, whatever fine you can have your cheese Studio I don't polish. mind those yeah I don't mm. mind those if I'm already crying and I'm in go for it I don't mind them at yeah. all give it to me I'm yeah. fine with it I was like I, I it was so make me feel something go yes, ahead yes <laughs> I want to know if love is wild um yeah and it was just it was just a beautiful um and how all this the lyrics and and the filmmaker did some really cool things when the kid's going through something, all of a sudden the lyrics would kind of pop on the screen and and he would- Yes. Yes. He would use lyrics to describe stuff to people. And, and there was a couple, you know, like sort of musical number fantasy things that were kind of cool. So it's a really fun, beautiful movie and go see it. I mean, it's just like, see that, see the farewell, see yesterday. Yeah, check out the indies. See the indie movies. They are so worth it. If You'll have not... at least another week to do it before yeah. it comes out. <laughs> yes, right. I mean, and they're all worth, if they if you didn't get to see them in the theaters, as soon as they become VOD or online or whatever, go go check, check them out. out. They're, really, they're really worth watching. So, all right. I'm in. So, yes. So, Graham, we've got some Patreon sponsors. Oh, this, thank this you, patreon.com slash comedy film nerds. Um, Johnny Rulon's promoting his novel, Green Johnny Sheet. Rulon. Uh, Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's on Amazon, both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel, which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and our mortal lover T.S. on a journey through time dreams and the hidden places of a supernatural America. The website is happyhorrorshowproductions.com, happyhorrorshowproductions.com. Fanboy Planet, a website and podcast for all things geeky and amazing. Check out Fanboy Planet for your comics news and your movie news, TV news, and interviews with insiders and artists. Fanboyplanet.com. And from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide, a dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. New episodes every Friday, wherever podcasts are found. Find out more at coffeeoversuicide.com. That's coffeeoversuicide.com. And Alice Frazier, co-host of the Bugle podcast and host of Tea with Alice, brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. They were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. Check out alicefrazier.com, alicefrazier.com with an S. And the Art Podcast. With Rebecca Evans, when we move past hesitation, we're true to ourselves. We find our own art in life. New episode with John S. Drew, host of the Shazam Isis podcast and the Batcave podcast and more. Check out theartpodcasts.com with an S. And uh, last but not least, the gritty Australian noir, The Murder of Jeremy Brooks. Pit small town Australian PI Dan McGinnis against corporate greed and corruption. A Sydney surgeon hires Dan to find... Her husband's killer. The cops think it was a mugging gone bad. She thinks it was a hit. Look for the murder of Jeremy Brooks at all online booksellers. All right. And thank you, Patreon uh, members. We really appreciate it. Uh, $50 a month gets you an ad read on every show. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Isn't, nice. Isn't that a great team? And uh, uh, now, let's get to some trailers, Graham. All right. Now, this underwater trailer, I cannot wait to hear your reaction on this one. Okay. <laughs> Let's make sure we got the here it comes. Now the sound stuff we'll go through got that it. if you want to hear. Oops, damn it. <laughs> Five thousand miles from land. And you're descending seven miles to the bottom of the ocean. Seven miles to the bottom of the ocean. Bro. Okay, that sounds deep. It is, it's See very you all deep. In a month. Here we go. It's very deep with uh the girl from Twilight and TJ. Right, we're gonna do this. Let's do this. Is this an Abyss remake? Keep watching. Okay. (laughs) Haunted ocean. Creepy sounds. Yeah. Well, you've got water. You've got got a lot of water. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, wow. Where would you possibly run to? Yeah, it lights out. On a scale from one to ten, how bad's my rig? Ten. I 
drilled to the bottom of the ocean, and we don't so, you know. know Kristen out. Stewart at about half the size. <laughs> Gotta get to the station. How do we even get there? We walk up. The worst thing would be we just they walk something with insufficient before. oxygen across <laughs> the bottom of the ocean. I don't know what's out there. Worst idea ever. Oh well. Oh, something has awakened everyone. What was that? Turn your lights off. Oh, I bet you something scary is going to show up. I hope. January release. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. shocking. They're not trying to get an Oscar off of that one. Aliens underwater, Graham. Aliens underwater. I, I'm trying to think of a scenario where I would ever watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> on a plane, even? I don't know. No. It, no. No. It, not even on a plane. What, Aaron? Gunpoint hostage. Gunpoint hostage situation. Oh, sure, sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ransom. Okay. I give in. I. Well, I'll, I'll give this. Um, a movie, one compliment. It knows what it needs to be. <laughs> it knows exactly what it is. It's a, we're going to rip off Alien, put it under the water. We're not going to do anything creative or different or interesting or make any any type of left or right turn. This is yeah. what we're making. And if anybody's not on board with it, they can go for, uh, um, they could go, go work in an indie Honestly, company. <laughs> the first 30 seconds of that trailer are the first 30 seconds of the Abyss trailer from the 90s. Yes, it's 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 literally it, what it looked like is you know how Apple has those temp t- trailer templates right. on there like for iCamera or whatever it is that that's what it looks like. It's like all right, what are you going to make an Abyss remake or a, an Aliens underwater? This is the exact scenes that you would need to shoot to do that. Well, you know, anything underwater is scary. Yes. I mean, it really is Cause, scary. Cuz now <laughs> if they trap. if they play up the claustrophobic nature of exactly. it, if it's done properly, it could be a scary movie, but it's probably not. <laughs> All right. All right. Lady and the Tramp live yes. action? La- sort of. What? <laughs> Why? Yep. <laughs> Great question. <laughs> Why indeed? I have an answer to that question. Oh. Let me guess. You know, they should really uh, do a live like action song in your people's sound. universe, right? For, uh, really, if they're going to do every single indeed. movie in the library. Well, I've got no leashes or fences. With me, every day could be an adventure. What's interesting is I'm watching this movie. Technologically, it's not nearly as advanced as Lion King, so you can tell the Lion King got all the computers, and whatever was left got to go to this movie. (laughs) John Favreau took all the good computers. All right, you could have these 486 connected, 46 is connected. The running Windows Vista. Just make the movie. This is the night. Wow. This is something else. Not coming to theaters. Oh. That's why they made this movie. Got it. Not coming to theaters. It's going directly to Disney Plus, and it was announced, and this is the first trailer ever. So this, I want to lead this into our discussion about Disney streaming and Disney Plus. But first, I want us to watch the Mandalorian trailer, because this is an exclusive Disney uh, Star Wars show that will be on the network. Okay. So now I'm starting to realize, I feel like now making the Lady and the Tramp made sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would watch it on the plane. Right. I, I would. would. I would too. Whoops, what did Stand I Stand by. Standing by. Standing by. I'm already scared. Wow. This takes place after the original trilogy. Whose phone is ringing? Okay. Those weren't Star Wars sounds. <laughs> 
Weathers. Apollo Creed in space, I'm in. By the way, the Mandalorian, they're putting this, he's a gunslinger in space in the Star Wars universe. Oh yeah? Oh. Not Boba Fett, but... Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Oh, whoa. Don't you agree? Wow. All right. All right, Disney. You got me. So when you look at that trailer, do you see any difference between that quality of that TV show and then the Star Wars movies that we're seeing? No. No, there isn't. That's deliberate because they're understanding that the way we consume entertainment is changing. So they're going to throw all this money into the streaming service because why do we need the theaters as much anymore? So... They're like, you know, you know how like you used to get like maybe the cheap DVD knockoffs of like a great feature film, not doing it anymore. There's a ton of money being thrown into the show. The only difference is you don't have giant stars in it, but you don't need them. It doesn't matter. Well, let me, before I, uh, Steph, let me ask you this on how you consume your entertainment. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> is that a euphemism? <laughs> you know Usually what I, I consume. Oh First I puff, and then what are you talking about? <laughs> but like, so how do you watch your movies and oh. your TV shows and stuff like that? Well, I, you know, there's a time where I really enjoyed going to a movie theater. I thought mm-hmm. that was great, and I'm like, oh my god, that's fantastic. It's not really that enjoyable for me to ever go in a crowded movie theater. That's like, that's that's. For that's other people, I can't do it. I don't know if I'm claustrophobic, um, uh, and I like seeing movies at home. I, I get a, I get to stop it, I get to pause mm. it, I get to come back. So I do, I do movies maybe when I'm on the plane. Uh, you know, I watched that Rebel Wilson film. I thought she was hilarious and right. adorable in the whole thing. I'm like, I laughed the whole time. So I will watch on a plane or in my home. It's rare that I'll go to a movie theater. I'm not against it. It's just rare, and I think it's because you know we're producing so much and we're touring. Yeah. So it's tough when you. I mean, you guys have a very heavy schedule of production over there at the Jimmy Dore Show, and then you're doing more road stuff. So it is. It is. I've run into that same thing. Excuse me, of doing this show, especially like when I was doing the FNX show and Political Vigilante, I was like, man getting to a theater was hard it was i still love the experience and i probably always will especially with this nicer theaters now with food and reclining seats they made it more enjoyable and a bunch of theaters by me all have the reclining seats right and that i'm like stadium seating everything's better and i go at times when i know there's not i don't like i go when it's like monday daytime yeah right or like i went last night i went to a 7 30 show on a monday night there was six people in the theater Mm -hmm. um but that's interesting. The reason I ask is because I was I, I had an idea. I, I figured that's pretty much how you consumed a lot of the entertainment. And I think that's how a lot of people are consumed. A lot of right. people feel that way. We're sort of diehard purists on this show. But even as, as that, there's times we both have been like, well, it was easier to watch this on demand. Yeah. And Disney's figuring that out. Right. When well, the you- only choice is Angel is Fallen or you're going to watch The Mandalorian on streaming, well, of course. This you is know, Brittany runs a marathon. That's the one I wanted to see. Yes. That was the one. It was only playing in one location for me. Mm. And I'm like, what? That's 45 minutes away from... And it takes me an hour to get there. So I couldn't make it. And that's the film that I wanted. And I'm like, why isn't it streaming somewhere? But now, even yep. if it was on demand, like, would you probably would have paid five bucks to watch Darn it, right? right? I would have. Yeah, see? Immediately. Mm-hmm. I, think- I couldn't have waited because I saw the trailer. I'm like, this is funny. I want to see this. This is interesting. And that's a great point. And... We talk about this a lot, and I think a lot of people in some, I think studios are still afraid because there's still that, like, who's winning the box office, which is like... Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit. Well, you know who also doesn't care? Disney. I mean, clearly, if they cared, they wouldn't be starting a streaming service. Well, isn't the <laughs> dilemma for some filmmakers that they want to compete at the level 
of it's in theaters? Right. Didn't Steven Spielberg say, hey, you know, we need to be careful about these streaming uh, films? They're not the same. Should they qualify to be on an Academy Award winning film? Really? I don't know. what. So it has to be what screen it's played on for it to qualify? Right. And uh, a, it, it, who it, is that serving ultimately? Not serving the, the, the show, the Hollywood. It's not serving the studios because no. the studios, look, if, if people aren't going to the, the studios. It's that purist trying to hold on to that old right. uh, way of thinking and, and, and doing And look, business. There's all, I think there's always going to be movies that are better seen on a big screen For and sure. with bigger sound. I, mm-hmm. I firmly believe that. I mean, the, 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 look, look, Blinded by the Light, I would, I would argue, right. is that. Because of the sound is encompassing. And it, the, it, it, Roma, as I talk, you know, like yeah. the Marvel movies, obviously. But are you going to watch It too on a plane? No. You should no. run at a giant theater on the screen. It's going to be terrifying with the but sound. But Britney runs a marathon? Mm-hmm. That doesn't need to be on a big screen. That, that's a, that's a, and it has a small release right now. Yeah. Right. And of course, and I think they're realizing that the 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 the, the double releasing you can do theater and you might make more money because here's the, here's what happened. You couldn't go see the movie you wanted to see. So you saw something else. You saw instead. something else. You would have paid 6-7 to, to mm-hmm. or 5 to rent it or 7 to own it whatever. You would have right. done that in a heartbeat at home and you they lost money. Yes. Because they didn't have it more accessible to you. And I think Disney is realizing this, yep. which is why. And John Favreau is doing that show. Really? Yes. Mandalorian. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm in. I'm. Yeah. Uh, and that's not in counting like there's other Star Wars shows in development. There's like three or four Marvel shows they're doing. It's like they, the other thing they're doing, which is interesting too, they're disrupting the market. Like everything's binge watching and streaming. Like, all right, we're going to drop all the episodes on this date. They said no, because people pay monthly. So we're going to be releasing episodes once a week, and uh, they're not releasing them all at once. And uh, again, what a really interesting and creative idea that HBO did in the 80s. So <laughs> but HBO's still doing that, Yes, though. of Look course. Look at Game of Thrones, yeah, which so I never watched, but every, it it's was... It's going a, in a circle again. Yeah. Every, it was an event. They realized mm-hmm. that everybody going, oh, Game of Thrones this weekend. Mm-hmm. I got to watch it because I don't want to see people spoil it on the internet. There's, yeah. there's a cultural like excitement about that, like a big sporting event or something. Yes. Aaron, you have looks like you have something to say. Yeah, yeah. Hulu is part of the deal, and they already own... They're going to own that as well, and they do that with... Um, Handmaid's Tale, so it's it's okay. only once a week. Yeah, I think it's smart. I mean, again, if I, you're charging by the month and people only like one or two shows on your platform, you got to keep them there. I, you know, I'm a political vigilante, and I know in Jimmy Dore we rail against the big corporations all the time, but. <laughs> As a consumer, this is yeah. kind of <laughs> seems like. I mean, the other thing too that's so smart is that, like, okay, well, Disney, it's another service, great, but oh, we're adding Hulu and ESPN Plus, and like, okay, because that's the yeah. thing. I was like, mm-hmm. look, I'm not paying people. Are, I'm not paying for Amazon Prime and Hulu and right. Netflix it's too and much. ESPN. Forget mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I like sports, but like, look, I'm wearing an MLS All Star jersey, right? Mm-hmm. I like watching MLS soccer, but I'm not going to pay their subscription service. And the only one. I'll pay for is the Cubs. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. But now you're telling me, because actually this Disney, Hulu, ESPN thing, just from a dollar, is going to be cheaper. Yes. I will get rid of Netflix and I will get more for less money. And technologically more advanced because Netflix upsells you for 4K and multiple screens and all those. Disney's like, nope, we're giving it all to you for one price. And really? Mm-hmm. So when should I do this? Because when it rolls out in December. It, okay, so December mm-hmm. is when I yes. cut everybody. Yep. And yep. just buy Disney, just That's do that it. monthly? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because the, here's another thing. So the MLS has a deal with ESPN. And I was trying to watch, I have an Apple TV. I don't have cable, so I was trying to watch. I have the MLS app, which on the phone you can watch highlights. So I, that's how I stay up to date. I watch highlights, right? Isn't it great how all this technology makes it harder to watch something? Yeah, <laughs> but then now this will make it. E- then it yes, is. It, it, exactly. It'll be like. So I don't know. That's they, my thought, Aaron. They are just... upselling slightly because I believe the DS uh, Disney only. Is seven bucks, but I think it's thirteen for all. Of oh, those. for the package. Okay, yeah. Yeah. which, which is, is still, still cheaper. The than package Netflix. is still cheaper than the Netflix package. Yes, mm-hmm. and you're getting more for it. Yep. All right. All I'm watching right. Mandalorian. That that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That Stormtrooper was... helmets mm. on sticks. Yeah. I'm in. People went that's... crazy. For that <laughs> Listen, one I'm 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 in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching. I'm like, what's gonna happen mm-hmm. next? Right. 
Just make good stories. That's, That's all I have want. To do. Well, what do you think, really quickly, gentlemen? About uh, aren't they making the film Breaking Bad? Yes, uh huh. It's coming out. Isn't that? Isn't it? It's something already like done. A, a, yeah. So a TV show, real successful. Mm-hmm. Now there's a film. Where's that going? That's my question. I have that same question. I I love the Breaking Deadwood Bad. Deadwood just show. did it too. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm excited to see Breaking a Breaking Bad movie because you told what what. Yeah, that's my question. I have the same one too. Deadwood. Like, I was bummed that uh, Timothy Oliphant mm-hmm. looked older. <laughs> that's where I disconnected. I'm like, oh. The, the trailer uh, for the Breaking Bad movie basically it's just a uh, you know somebody in an interrogation room giving you the trailer, which is hilarious. But uh, <laughs> it, it's going to focus on what happens to Jesse Pinkman after the show ends. That's that's what, okay. That's, that's kind of what, what it's going to do. But um, at the same time, is like well. Does it interest? Do I need that? Does it interest me? I mean, I thought the show wrapped up very nicely. I don't know if I need more. Are they going to then tie in? So when you watch Better Call Saul, they'll always show these quick clips of current Dave Saul yeah. at a Cinnabon, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in witness protection or whatever. So are they going to tie that into this? Great question. Yeah, nobody knows. They're like keeping. Uh, if they uh, do that, then maybe I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's interesting how they're creating a, a Breaking Bad uh, extended cinematic universe. universe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm still waiting for the Friends movie. Oh yeah, I've been waiting for that for a while. But I wouldn't talk I about wouldn't, looking older. I wouldn't be surprised if it's in development somewhere. I w- here's what I would do. They brought back 90210. Yes, <laughs> right. I would make yeah, the everything's Friends. on the table. <laughs> I would make the Friends movie. But I would make like this gritty, realistic. <laughs> life went bad for some of them in New York. It's like not a den in it, jokey. But like somebody like got out of rehab. Somebody lost their house. Somebody. I want. I want like. Yeah, they finally had to start paying what that apartment's worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah the ten thousand dollars <laughs> yeah. a month. They had to move to New in. Jersey because they couldn't afford living in Manhattan anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Right. Somebody's kid got mixed up with the wrong some just like life happened somebody got mixed up with meth yes someone's in math like someone like really took a south their life went south somebody like flipped out and And now you get to see who your real friends are yes 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 somebody became a crazy activist someone became a trumper like just what happened like it all went off the fucking trumper yeah yeah like the whole episode is like that It's one Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> right. I would make that movie and it would be it would be like it would be gritty and like dark. So if you're listening, friends, yeah. we just pitched it. Warner Brothers, yeah. I will direct friends. this. I will mm-hmm. make this. So um and we have DVD and Blu-ray. We have The Secret Life of Pets 2. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I have two children, neither interested in seeing this film. Was that uh you? yeah, it looked awful. The first one was terrible. Uh the only thing I heard about the first one is like I remember talking to Tom Merritt about it. I was like, well, if you're like a dog lover, you kind of like it because you you laugh at all the dog references. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Not for us. Okay. And uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Enjoyed this movie. If you if you missed it on uh, Big, check crazy it out fun. on DVD or Blu-ray, it was a it lot was of fun. Awesome. Lots of monsters. <laughs> lots of uh, lots of you know big fun action sequences. It was just a fun movie. Like Better Steph, than the first. If one. you want to watch this big monster blowing up, smashing mm-hmm. things, this is if you if you're ever in that mood. At Scientists home. with horrified looks on their <laughs> sure, faces. Sure, I great. love it. Something mm-hmm. went wrong. Mm-hmm. They lied to us. It sounds great. Yeah, it's everything you want. I'll be smoking some golden. Cush or something. Big big fat bowl and some nice food and just watch Godzilla just wreak havoc. And we have Rocket Man. Another fun movie. Yes, really fun. Again, this was more of a musical than it was a biopic, but it was it was a really good film. I liked it a lot. So Um, so is Rocket Man the one with Polly Shore? That's it. Close. Yeah. Harlan Williams, actually. Yeah. (laughs) That's Encino Man. Yeah. Close. Close. I think it's in the same universe. Yes. But isn't it? A, isn't there a Harlan Williams version it? too? Yeah, Perhaps. Harlan Williams did uh, Rocket Man for Disney. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can see Polly Shore flappers. Uh, yeah. Burbank, by the way. Uh, and the last black man. In Let San me say Francisco. this real quick about. Oh, go ahead. Blinded flappers. by the light. It, <laughs> Blinded by the light is the low budget version of Rocket Man. Oh, cool. Okay. Just to kind of give a oh, little, that's interesting. A little mm-hmm. slice of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last is the last black man in San Francisco. No, I, I didn't. Um, hear about this movie when it came out, but it looks really good. 
Um, so I definitely want to check it out on uh, streaming or, or DVD. It was super quick release, right? Yeah, like, like a day. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, about you know these um, basically black men who who um, return to their old neighborhood and their old house, and then they try to fix it up, but then everything's changed, neighborhoods changed, right. and. From what I've been reading, and people are really reacting, that it's a very personal, like, San Francisco story, the way that city's changed, but also, like, uh, um, like people that if you've ever lived in San Francisco, you really relate to, like, a lot of it, what's going on in the film. So, But even if you haven't, it looks, it looks good anyway. All right. I want to check it out. Premiering this week, again, only one movie. So uh, I have a feeling Angel Has Fallen will do very well at the box office yet again. <laughs> Go see Blinded um, by the Light. Yes. Uh, and this, oh my God, this made me laugh so hard when I uh, when I read this. The movie is called Don't Let Go. It's a Bloomhouse movie, kind of like a thriller, horror-ish type movie. But when I read the description, listen to this description. After a man's family dies in what appears to be a murder, he gets a phone call from one of the dead, his niece. He's not sure if she's a ghost or if he's going mad, but as it turns out, he's not. So there, you get the answer right in the oh, uh, okay, description. Okay. So you don't even really need to see Good the point. movie. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, when you're running a description, you should stop halfway. <laughs> yeah, it's not an entire summary. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. Uh, Steph, where can people find you online? Okay, shows, uh, so on Twitter, else? I'm at Miserable Lib, because I'm the Miserable Liberal. And then I'm touring at the Jimmy Dore Show. So we're in San Francisco at the Marines Memorial Theater this weekend, following weekend. We're going to be in Baltimore at Magoobies. Ooh. Magoobies. Uh, Lee Camp will be one of our guests oh, on the show, so that'll be fantastic. tons of fun. Also, Tim Black. Nice. You know Tim, so he'll be on the show. And then we're going to go to the Triple Door uh, the weekend of September 15th and 16th. Uh, tickets are still available for the 16th. And the Triple Door is in Seattle. It's this beautiful venue. And um, I believe Nellie McKay will be on panel oh, too. Oh, Nellie's great. So we're really excited about that. Uh, and then, oh, you know what we're doing in uh, October every Sunday at 7.30? We'll be at the Sycamore Tavern doing the Jimmy Dore show live at oh. the Sycamore Tavern. And that's an intimate venue where there's like, we sell about 85 tickets. And then mm-hmm. if there's, you know, we have people that come up at the door. But um, we're selling tickets. I believe they're $20 and you go to jimmydoorcomedy.com you'll see our website for more shows there you know if you haven't seen any of these shows live I've been lucky to be a panelist on a bunch of them they a are a fantastic panelist thank you it is so much fun it is such a it is such a cool night of like political comedy I absolutely love doing it um and also, uh, so I will, in, in that same vein, Ron Placone and I are doing the Progressive Comedy Tour next week, the 4th through the 8th. We're going to Omaha, Sioux Falls, Madison, Minneapolis, and Iowa City. Madison, Minneapolis are almost sold out. Um, so get your tickets at GrahamElwood.com. And I will be performing in Moscow, Russia on September 20th and St. Petersburg, September 27th. All those ticket links will That's be up great. soon. Uh, and then, what, like, what venue would you be there? Is there's a stand. Like, there's a comedy club in there that's like for. Um, there's some English speaking comics. Like is, it, is it? Is it? Yep. Putin's Chuckle Hut? It is Putin's <laughs> Chuckle Hut. It is the Kremlin puppetry. <laughs> the, the comedy gulag. Yeah, it is, it is the comedy gulag. Um, and uh, yeah, and then Ron Pacone and I are also doing the Progressive Comedy Tour in Australia. The 14th of November, we're doing Melbourne. The 15th, Adelaide. 17th, Sydney. And the 22nd, we are in Perth. All those are at GrahamElwood.com. Oh, and I'm opening up for Lee Camp September 15th at Ventura Harry Comedy Club, which is super fun. Oh, no kidding? Yeah, Lee's, Lee's great. So Very That cool. sounds great. Yeah. Well, I want to let you guys know if you are in Atlanta for Dragon Con coming up, um, I will not be there, but uh, I signed a bunch of uh, long ago and far away books, and they will be at the Starburns Press booth. So you could pick those up at the uh, Dragon Con in Atlanta this coming uh, uh, week. And also, Comedy Film Nerd's 600th episode, December 12th. Those tickets will go on sale next week. Uh, our 600th episode. So, Steph. You, Jimmy, uh, what anyone who's ever been a guest on this show, it's at the Dynasty. You now qualify. You now qualify. <laughs> it's it's at the Dynasty Typewriter. Uh, tickets are going to be, I think, like ten bucks or fifteen. Pretty pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. Any guest that's ever been on the show is going to just come on stage for a couple minutes, give us a quick movie something, and it's going to be our, our big celebration because we we'll, we will be celebrating ten years and six hundred episodes. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So check that out. Those that 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 ticket uh, for the twelfth will be up soon. That's our show. Steph Zamorano, thank you so much. Thank you, fellas. Also, I should say this. You can see Steph Zamorano uh, on the First Nations Comedy Experience series, which is now available on Amazon Prime. 
Oh, all great. 13 episodes. That, congratulations. Thank you so that's much. That's a big deal. It is. It was cool. It's like I got a series on, on Amazon Prime. It was, it was great. So there's 13 episodes. It's fantastic. It's uh, 49 comics. It's, it's really cool. There's yeah, a lot check great, it out. Yeah, a lot of comics that we've had on this show. Jim Rule, Shoshone Livingston, mm. uh, many Craig others. Shoemaker. Craig Shoemaker. Uh, the Love Master. The Love Master, mm. indeed. <laughs> uh, so check that out. That's our show, Aaron. Thank you so much, and everybody at the All Think. Uh, Graham, do you want to promote Thursday or no? Oh yeah, God, I'm an idiot. Um, so Thursday, <laughs> uh, August 29th, uh, at 7 p.m. Pacific, I'm doing the Political Vigilante Game Show. My contestants are the lovely Steph Zamorano and Jimmy Dore. Uh, so we'll be doing a political. Uh, it's, it's a political game show, and you can watch live on my YouTube.com/slash Graham Elwood. I'll be live streaming it. You can super chat in questions to ask, and you know. Now, is this game show rigged? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it is okay. not. You All and right. Jimmy will not have access to the questions prior. Mm -hmm. You'll be going cold. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, will I be playing uh, on behalf of somebody? Yes. Fantastic. Uh, and the winner gets a million dollars. Oh, In cryptocurrency. No, <laughs> and, <laughs> no the winner will we'll, we'll pick two people off the internet, and they will... Uh, the first two people to super chat in will be the who you are playing for, who's Jimmy's playing right for. Right on. The mm -hmm. contestants. Whoever, whichever one of you wins... Uh, that person will get, will send them a little prize bag with some yep. Jimmy Dore swag That's and great. Graham swag and everything. And they else. get a free tour of the Bitcoin mines. And the <laughs> 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 so that is August 29th, Thursday, August 29th, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Go to youtube.com slash Graham Elwood and join us. We will be doing it here from the All Things Comedy World headquarters. Aaron, thank you for reminding me to promote that thing that I'm doing. That was my idea. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> In the studio that you picked. In the studio that I, it was all my idea, and then I forgot about it. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first.